Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. I'm Stella. I'm here to tell you the second part of my story. I'll do a brief introduction for those who haven't seen the first episode yet. I was born with a miraculous trait. Every time I cry, a pearl emerges from my eye. This is why we are really wealthy. My parents try incredibly hard to keep this a secret, but something unexpected happened. My uncle, my aunt, and their daughter Cecilia came to visit us. Cecilia had secretly read my diary and found out that I could cry pearls. Then she told her mom and dad. That night, they kidnapped me and brought me to a house in the middle of the forest. They tried to force me to cry. While they were there, I kept my cool. But I couldn't stop myself from crying when they left me alone. I cried twice, so two pearls came out of my eyes. I decided to swallow them both. But just as I popped them into my mouth, Cecilia came in the room. Once she realized I had been crying, she called her parents. I swallowed the pearls instead of handing them over. My uncle went crazy. Just as he was about to attack me, we heard a knock on the door. All of that went down in the first episode. Now I'll continue telling my story right where I left it. Someone was pounding on the door. My uncle whispered with worry, We're in the middle of a forest. Who is this? Then he turned to me. Not a peep from you or this will end badly he whispered as he left the room. My aunt and Cecilia were waiting anxiously. From what I could gather, the person at the door was someone my uncle knew. He seemed very surprised when he asked, why are you here? The person who arrived laughed and replied, my sister called me. You weren't thinking about partying without me, were ya? Cecilia and her mom were relieved because the person who showed up was my aunt's older brother, Walter. I'd seen him only once before. All I could remember was that he was an unpleasant man. When Walter walked in, my aunt said, Why did you come early? I told you to come tomorrow. Walter said, The story you told me over the phone got me really excited. I couldn't wait until tomorrow. I just had to see this goose with the golden eggs. I still find it difficult to believe. Is this girl really crying pearls? She replied, Yes! She really cries pearls. She just cried two of them in a row, but then she swallowed them both. Walter looked at me with a grin. So you're a tough cookie. Fantastic. I spent half my life in jail. My specialty is helping people like you find the right path. I began shaking with fear. I almost started tearing up again, but I managed to hold it back. Walter turned to Cecilia. I need to eat something. I've been driving for five hours straight. If my dear niece wants to make her uncle a snack, I won't say no. (laughs) Cecilia took her uncle's arm. We picked up some snacks on the way. Nimble on these for now. Soon we'll be eating only at the best restaurants anyway, she said. (laughs) They were laughing as they left the room. 
My uncle glared at my aunt. Why did you call your brother? The man is a total pain in the neck. He shouldn't have known about this. She said, you do realize that we kidnapped someone, right? Do you think we can hide in this house forever? We need to get out of the country right away. Walter will help us cross the border. We should head over to Mexico first, and from there, we can go wherever we want, as long as we have this no-limit credit card with us. Walter and Cecilia came back grinning. (laughs) Cecilia was holding half an onion. She said, we had a brilliant idea, and held the onion up to my face. How about a crying sash, my dear cousin? We've found an easy way to make you cry. When my eyes welled up, they all got really excited. I grimaced. Can you get that away from my face, please? I need to cry naturally for the pearls to form. That onion is only good for stinking up this room. My aunt screamed as if she had the best idea ever. Cecilia, pull up a sentimental song. You remember that song that always makes me cry? What is it called? I'm not a crybaby like you, I said to her. No song or movie can make me cry. But some of the songs I can sing can make you cry, Walter said, baring all of his teeth. They laughed. Walter continued in a calm voice. You don't have to worry. I'll take care of this tough girl. But first, let's drink up. We are in possession of a goose that lays golden eggs. We have to celebrate that. Walter's words worked. They were in a good mood as they left the room. I laid down, feeling desperate. This Walter guy looked dangerous indeed. I had to find a way to get out of here, but I couldn't think of anything. I ended up falling asleep while I tried to think of something. All of a sudden, I woke up to the sound of the door slamming. I saw Walter when I finally managed to get my eyes open. He was yelling, Get up! Now! We're leaving! I was so sleepy that I couldn't figure out what exactly was going on. Where are we going? I asked. Walter got mad and said, I told you to get up now! We need to get going! You didn't expect me to leave you to those amateurs, right? You belong to me now. I'll make you cry all the time and you'll give me thousands of pearls till the day I die. I was still having a hard time understanding what was happening. Walter grabbed my arm and led me out of the room. I looked inside the house. My uncle, aunt, and Cecilia were all lying on the floor. What did you do to them? I screamed. Don't worry, they're sleeping like babies. You know how they slipped some sleeping pills into your milk before they kidnapped you? I said to them, you will take two of these sleeping pills each or I'll make you. So they agreed and drank up. Then Walter pushed me outside. He tied my hands and laid me down in the back seat of the car. It was only then that I figured out what was going on. Now Walter was kidnapping me. Suddenly, I had even more reason to be worried because my uncle and his family were angels compared to this guy. After hours of driving, we finally stopped. Walter got me out of the car, and we were in a place that looked like a garage. There were a lot of cars around and four big guys. One of them pointed to a car that was parked right beside me and screamed, Boss, you love a Mercedes? Look, we got a spectacular one. Without even looking at the car, he said, Good job, but from now on, we won't have to steal cars. We'll have so much money on our hands thanks to her. Of course, they had no idea what he was talking about. A guy covered in tattoos said, Did you go and kidnap a rich guy's daughter for ransom? And I'm out. Kidnapping is not the same as car theft. You get punished hard for it. I have a family to look after. I can't do time for that long. That got Walter mad. 
Shut up, Ryan. <gasps> you don't know what you're talking about as usual. Yes, she's a rich girl, but I didn't grab her for ransom. You'll find out soon enough and thank me for the rest of your life, <gasps> he growled. The guy with tattoos wasn't happy. But before he could say anything, Walter shoved me into a room. I'd never felt so scared in my life. I was fighting back tears. But then I couldn't. I started crying. A perfect pearl emerged out of my eye. Walter grabbed it before it fell to the ground. He was looking at it, fascinated. He was also very surprised. He mumbled to himself, I'd never have believed it if I hadn't seen it with my own eyes. Then he looked at me. You're the best thing that could ever happen to me. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Why should I share it with those idiots outside? You should be crying only for me. All these pearls must be mine, he said. It made up his mind. He grabbed my arm and dragged me outside. The men were staring at me in disbelief. Walter sensed that there was something going on. One of them said, We saw everything from the security camera. Was that a real pearl that came out of the girl's eye? Then he turned to me. But how? How can you do that? He asked. Pulling me towards the car, Walter yelled. Nah, there's no such thing. That that stuff only happens in fairy tales. You saw it wrong. I resisted huh? Walter's pull and stopped him. I yelled back at them. What you saw was real. I cry pearls. Walter's kidnapping me because he doesn't want to share them with you. Each pearl is worth $25,000. If you stop him, I'll give you 40 pearls each. That makes a million dollars per person. They hesitated for a second. Then they looked at each other. The man in tattoos said, Attack! All hell broke loose. I stepped aside and watched everything go down. After a while, they tied Walter to a chair. He was out of breath. I'm your boss. Let me go now. I'll, I'll give you a hundred pearls each. I laughed. You might have a hundred pearls, but if you get caught, pearls won't help you out in prison. I won't tell the police about you. You can trust me. Every time I cry a pearl, it will go toward my debt to you, I said. Walter was about to say something, but the men put a gag in his mouth to keep him quiet. You can go now. You'll hear from me soon, I said to them. I took out Walter's phone and called 911. The police arrived shortly after. I asked them, will you excuse me for a minute? I'll be back soon. I had to run to an empty room because I was about to shed some happy tears. When I started to cry, the most beautiful pearl that I'd ever seen in my life came out. I put the pearl in my pocket. I owed 160 pearls to the men who saved me, so I had 159 more to go. When I got back, Walter was telling the police, Please believe me, this girl is crying pearls. Let me go. We can all be rich together. The policeman laughed at him. One of them said, Hey, yeah, and I'm crying diamonds. These guys are getting more and more creative to get themselves out of jail. The policemen had called my parents. Both of them were a mess when they arrived. My mom was crying. Oh, please don't hug me. Just get me out of here, I said. The police were surprised to see me act this way. Of course, there was a reason for it. If I had hugged my family, I would have immediately started crying, and then they would have realized Walter was telling the truth. I told my parents everything on the way home. I cried a few times as I was telling my story to them, so I got five more pearls on the ride home. 154 to go. Currently, we live in a different country. I was against it at first, but my mom said, we were the only ones who knew your secret until now, but today there are eight other people who know you cry pearls. We have to do this for your safety. We need to get away from here. I had to mm -hmm. agree. 
I can't tell you where we live now, but I can tell you that we are doing really well. I did pay my debt to those guys that saved me. And because they were mostly happy tears, the pearls that came out were all perfect too. I'm sure they sold them for more than $25,000. Because I owe my life to them, I sent them 10 more pearls each as a bonus. I'm sure you're curious to know what happened to my uncle, aunt, and Cecilia. I really don't know. The last time I saw them was as I was leaving the cabin in the forest. They were sleeping soundly because of the sleeping pills. We never heard from them again. Maybe they got scared of getting caught by the police and fled to Mexico. But life can't be easy for them because I'm not around. I was sitting on the couch watching TV. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed something flashed. A black shadow suddenly appeared and quickly disappeared somewhere in the back of the room. I got up and decided to look around. Maybe it was my little brother Eugene trying to scare me, but the room was empty. Suddenly, the shadow reappeared, this time in the top corner of the room, right near the ceiling. It frightened me. I didn't know what it could be. The shadow flashed in front of me once again, disappeared, then reappeared and headed right at me. I screamed loudly, jumped back, and fell on my back. The front door opened. It was my mother. What happened? She saw my frightened face. I looked around. There was no shadow. Nothing. I blurted out immediately. I just fell down. My mom looked at me suspiciously and then carried the groceries into the kitchen. Maybe I was just exhausted and was starting to see things that didn't make sense. Hi, my name is Karen, and lately I've been seeing some weird things that made me question my mental health. But first things first, I had surgery not too long ago, and not the easiest one. I was transplanted with someone else's eyes. I've had problems with my vision since childhood. I wore glasses, had to squint sometimes, but I managed somehow. Yeah, it was uncomfortable. They called me four-eyed, a dweeb, and so forth. I'm sure you all know these typical nicknames, but that I could put up with somehow. However, in high school, my eyesight began to deteriorate drastically. I switched from one pair of glasses to the next, and it helped for a while. Eventually, I couldn't see much. My mother and I went to the hospital. Doctors hmm. examined me for a long time. They spun me around, stared at me, used different instruments. Then they sent me to another hospital until the last and most prestigious clinic gave me a disappointing diagnosis. I could go blind. My mom and dad were pretty shaken up by it. I must admit, so was I. What can be done, doctor? Mom asked. Well, there's only one solution, surgery. We need to transplant a set of healthy eyes. I didn't even believe that something like that was possible. The very thought of seeing the world through someone else's eyes made me feel very uneasy. It was a difficult time in my life, but as it turned out, there was more to come. My parents finally agreed to the surgery, but it wasn't that easy. We had to wait a couple of months for a donor to come along, but then the donor's eyes arrived and I finally got the surgery. I was blindfolded for two weeks and couldn't see anything. I was scared because I had no idea if I would see again. The doctors didn't know that either. Finally, they took the bandage off. I saw the outline of my mother's face and then hey. I saw my father and then the room we were in. I cried with joy. My parents cried too. It was an overwhelming feeling to be yes. able to see again. Uh -huh. Everything was beautiful. I went back to school, read books. I had perfect eyesight. Never before had I seen everything so clearly. 
I felt like I had some kind of superpower, even though I was just like everybody else. But I wouldn't even be telling you about any of this if it wasn't for the side effects. I started seeing some strange things, sometimes even creepy things, that gave me the shivers. One time I remember I woke up, went to the bathroom, turned on the water, washed my face, and then I looked up and almost fainted. What I saw in the mirror wasn't me, but a copy of me. She was smiling at me and waving. I rubbed my eyes and the other me was gone. I couldn't understand what just happened. Am I really losing my mind? I wanted to talk to my parents, but I just couldn't find the right words. What if they thought I was insane? I didn't want to end up in the hospital, so I decided to figure it out on my own. There was definitely something going on with me, and it had something to do with my eyes. I figured there had to be some scientific explanation for it. So I went to the doctor who performed the surgery. I asked him, is it possible the eyeball is damaged and that causes, how should I put this? I hesitated. What? The doctor asked, distortion, strange visions. The man mm -hmm. frowned. Let's examine you, he said after a long pause. I was again seated in that creepy chair. They attached some kind of machine to me and the doctor mm -hmm. examined my eyes for about 10 minutes. Then he declared, there's nothing wrong. I don't see any damage. Okay, it's probably just fatigue. If there's anything wrong, come back again. We'll help you figure it out. I, unsure whether to be happy or sad, returned home. Things didn't make more sense to me. So I decided to trace things all the way back to the beginning to find out whose eyes I got. It wasn't easy at all. So I asked <clears throat> Michael to help me. Michael was a hey! friend of mine. We took a sculpting class together for two years. We both hated it, so we soon became friends. At recess, I tried to explain to him what was happening and outline my crazy plan. It's not just some random specs. No, they have faces and they move. Creepy, like a horror movie. Wow, and I thought you were finally going to be able to live a normal life. I can see just fine, but not everything I see, I like. So what are you thinking? Sneak into the clinic at night, locate my file, and find out exactly who my donor was. I could tell by the look on Michael's face hmm. that he was fighting himself. I don't know. It's kind of dangerous. And how do we get through security? We could come during the day, hide somewhere, and then come out when the clinic closes. Only after about five minutes, <gasps> Michael said, Okay, let's go. I don't want you running around by yourself. The next day, we went to the hospital. We were walking down the halls, wondering where we could hide. I suggested, <gasps> why don't we find a back room where they keep all the cleaning supplies and mops? Oh. Okay. Michael agreed. After half an hour, we finally found a suitable back room. While no one was looking, we snuck in and hid in the closet. The closet was cramped, so we had to stand there with our arms around each other. It's a little awkward. Michael said, yeah. I agreed, but then I added, shh, I think someone's coming. And indeed, a woman entered the room. She was folding something for about 10 minutes, and then she went out and we were alone again. What do those shadows look like? What do you see? Michael suddenly asked. Well, I don't know. They're long with red eyes. Sometimes you can see the mouth. It's hard to describe. Some kind of black clots. I wonder what it could be related to. That's what I want to find out. Maybe something happened to the person whose eyes I got, and now I'm seeing all this. We stood in the closet for four hours. My legs were stiff. It was also stuffy. Finally, at 10 o'clock, the hospital was empty. 
and we crawled out of the closet, eagerly breathing in fresh air. We stretched our stiff legs and arms. Having come to our senses, we headed out on a search mission. At night, the clinic looked creepy. Everything was dark, with only a few dim lights on. What we needed was an archive where they kept all the patients' records. Surely my file would have some record of my donor. I already knew where it was, so we headed over there without looking in every room. Suddenly, something flashed in the distance. At first, I thought it was one of the staff. A guard, perhaps? I touched Michael's shoulder and said in a whisper, I think there's someone up ahead. I looked closer. It looked like a silhouette of a person. I can't see anything. Where? Said Michael. Over there. I pointed to where the silhouette was, but no one was there now. Where? I imagined it. Michael let out a sigh of relief and we continued on our way. The archive was on the second floor. We were on the third. After a bit of confusion, we finally found the right door. Is this it? Yes, I said. You just have to be quiet. The office was dark, so I switched on the flashlight on my phone. It was dangerous, but there was no other way. There were several shelves against the wall. It must be here, I said to Michael, and pointed to the metal boxes with the letters on them. Are they alphabetical? I think so. I need an R. Robinson. Hold the light and I'll look for it. I held the flashlight while Michael went through folder after folder. Did you find it? I asked, growing impatient. No, but... He stopped and then he called out loudly, There! Hush! They'll hear us! Suddenly there was a noise in the hallway. I turned off the flashlight and my friend and I hid under the table. The doorknob creaked and someone came inside. A flashlight beam flickered across the room. You must have imagined it, Hmm. came the guard's voice. He shut the door. We waited until his footsteps faded, and I finally asked, Did you find it? Yeah. Michael showed me the folder. It said Karen Robinson on it. I flipped through the paperwork and made sure it was what we were looking for. I wanted to figure out on the spot, but Mike said, Come on, let's just take it with us. What? Yeah, and then we'll bring it back. Okay, I agreed. We'll read it outside. We left the office, walked down the hallway towards the stairs, so we can get to the first floor and sneak past the garden to the street. Suddenly, black shadows appeared at the end of the corridor. There were many of them, an entire squad. At first, they stood looking at me. I froze too and couldn't move. Then the shadows lunged at me and I screamed. Michael didn't understand what was happening. What's going on? He asked. I began to explain that a bunch of black monsters came rushing at me. I ran for the stairs. Michael followed me. I ran as fast as I could. We made it to the first floor. A guard suddenly appeared in front of us, but he was so frightened by my scream, he jumped out of the way. We made our way to the street and ran for another 10 minutes. Michael kept up with me. I turned around to see if the shadows were still chasing me, but there were no shadows. I stopped, and so did Michael. We caught our breath, and that's when the guy asked, Were there shadows? Yeah, maybe they're not real, but I didn't want to check. We stood by the lantern, and I opened the folder. I frantically read everything that was written about my surgery. When I got to the information about the donor, I immediately understood everything. They transplanted the eyes of a man who was being treated in a psychiatric hospital. He had schizophrenia, and he was seeing terrible hallucinations. But I thought it had more to do with the brain than the eyes. Yeah, so did I. But who the hell knows? I have to show it to my parents. 
We went back home. Mom and Dad were worried because I never came home from school. But I handed them the folder and pointed to the right document. I explained that I was seeing scary things and that it seemed to have something to do with my transplanted eyes. The next day, my parents made a scene at the clinic, complaining that they weren't informed who those eyes belonged to. They promised me a new surgery. Luckily, this time, I didn't have to wait so long. I got the transplant the very next week. I never saw those shadows again, but the darkness still scares me, and I don't like to be alone in a dark room. What would you do if you suddenly started seeing strange shadows? Write your answers in the comments, like the video, and share it with your friends. My name is Olivia, and my father is an oil tycoon, and I am his only heiress. You're going to think, how cool is that? But it's not. What really stifles me is the constant sense of responsibility imposed on me. The pressure came from a very young age. Olivia, my whole business depends on you. You're responsible for thousands of working people feeding their families. I put my heart into this business, and you can't just let it all go. Those were the words I grew up with my whole life. At the same time, my father constantly had no time for me. Business meetings, business trips, and disappearing into the office around the clock. I grew up surrounded by servants and nannies. Naturally, my father made sure that I didn't want for anything. Anything except parental love. You see, my mother abandoned me when she and my father divorced. I was only two years old at the time. Because he needed an heir, he offered my mother a tidy sum of money to leave me with him. And you know what? She gladly agreed. She took the money and flew to another country. Throughout my upbringing, she never once called to see how I was doing. More recently, my father put me to work for his company. He got me a job as a manager. He always said that by understanding the whole structure of the company from the ground up, you can achieve a lot. But I don't need that at all. My dream is to be a fashion designer. Olivia, you have to carry on my work. I've sacrificed everything for that. Daddy, I don't want to run the firm. Let Oliver do it. Daddy just sighed heavily and looked at me in a way that made me realize that I had no choice. Oliver was the son of my father's driver, Mr. Stewart. When Mrs. Stewart died, Oliver was only 10 years old, and then Dad offered to help his co-worker help raise his child. He provided them with a cottage, honor estate, paid for a good school for the boy, and then university abroad. Oliver is only three years older than me, but from childhood, he was very smart. He, like me, was supervised by servants and nannies. You could say we grew up together. When I started working for my father's company, Oliver and I started seeing each other a lot. I'm told you're doing a good job. I try to. You know how dad is. He always gets what he wants. That's the quality that made him an oil tycoon. Yeah, but I don't have that quality. That's what you think. Oliver always looked at me strangely, very strictly, and always quickly looked away from me. I even thought that maybe he was jealous of me. As everyone around me said, I was living my life like cheese and butter. Like I've had all the best since being in diapers. But we had one thing in common. We grew up without love or mothers. Every day, Oliver would come and see how I was doing in school. It made me really nervous. I knew it was on my father's orders. Anyway, he was still keeping an eye on the whole process of becoming his heir. Ollie, stop coming around here. Are you following me or something? 
tell Daddy I'm fine. He's just worried, you know? It's only natural. Yeah, and you're his personal spy? Okay, go report. And so the days went by. Oliver and I became closer. Sometimes after work, he'd give me a ride home, and the whole way we'd just talk about anything and everything. That's when he told me that my dad didn't send him to spy on me. He was just worried about how I was doing at work. One day, Oliver came in pale as a wall. Ollie, what's wrong? Are you sick? Olivia, your mother is back. She's in your father's office right now. I felt like the ground had fallen out from under me. I don't remember how I got to my father's office, how I opened the door. The whole time, Oliver was following me, afraid I was about to fall over. Mom, what are you doing here? Oh, my girl, how you've grown! Mommy reached out to hug me. What are you doing here? I asked you a question. I was very offended by her. She left me, or rather sold me. She took my father's money and drove off into the sunset. I ran out of the office, unaware of myself. I only woke up when Oliver pulled me against him in the driveway. That's when I realized I'd gotten too far away from the office, and I turned around sharply, but Ollie wouldn't let me go, and I just snuggled into his chest and started crying. I hadn't heard from my mother in years, and now she shows up and pretends as if nothing happened? Why did she show up? Did she run out of money? Has she come to ask for more? Maybe she's repented. After all, she is your mother and she loves you. If she loved me, she wouldn't have left me. You need some rest. Let me take you home. Oliver brought me back to the manor. I was afraid to run into my mother, unprepared to talk to her or have her come into my life like this. The next morning I got ready for work, but my father told me to get some rest. It was a good suggestion. I got ready to drive out of town to clear my head. While I was walking to get the car, Ollie pulled up next to me and offered to go with me. Turns out he'd taken the day off too, said he had some errands to run. We drove out to our country house. There was a stable there and my favorite horse, a present for my father for my fifth birthday. We harnessed the horses and rode into the mountains. The fresh air and the ride cheered me up, and Oliver was trying to cheer me up too. We got along so well as children, Ollie. Yeah, it was so long ago. Why did we stop being friends? Well, I don't know. I decided to get an education, to achieve everything on my own, so my father could retire. But that didn't stop us from talking. Olivia, to be honest, I've always really liked you, but I understand that I have no right to even look in your direction. I'm just your driver's son. I couldn't get a word out. I couldn't imagine such a turn of events. I liked Oliver too, and when I was ten years old, I was already in love with him. But he was so cold and hard to me, and I believed he thought I was just annoying. And then he went to study abroad. We talked about a lot of things that day, and then when we drove home, I knew that I wanted him to always be there for me. That's what I told him. That night was the beginning of the end of my usual life. I tried to live my life as before, except my mother kept trying to talk to me. One day, she caught me alone at work. Darling, let's talk. I only have one question for you. Why did you leave me? It's hard to explain. 
Your father was adamant. My relationship with him had already gone bad. We were getting ready to divorce, but he told me to leave you with him. Yeah, he offered you money and you chose that over me. It wasn't like that. He said that if I didn't agree to his terms, I would never see you again. He only let me come back to the country when I started working for his firm. There was so much pain in my mother's words that I believed her, and my father had always been a man of steel. I could believe my mother was afraid of him and agreed to his terms. From that day on, we started spending a lot of time together. I told Oliver everything. He supported me and said he would love to see his mom again, too. Every night, Ollie and I went on dates, took walks, and went for car rides around town. With each passing day, he became someone with whom I shared my innermost feelings, dreams, and worries. My father eventually found out about our relationship. He was as angry as ever. I honestly didn't even expect him to react that way. Dad threatened to fire Oliver and his father if we continued seeing each other. He put guards on me and forbade me to leave the house. I was only allowed to go to my mother's hotel to visit her. So, Oliver and I decided to run away, someplace where Dad wouldn't find us. We agreed to meet at the same hotel where Mom was staying, and she promised to cover for us. Late that night, Oliver went out to get plane tickets. We were supposed to leave that night, but he left and never came back. I called him over and over, but his number was disconnected. He didn't reply to my messages either. So it went on for a few days, and then my dad's security guards came to get me and took me home. I was so angry at Oliver, and I was also very hurt by the betrayal. When I got to our manor, my father came out. He was very angry and upset. I didn't want to talk to him, but I knew I couldn't avoid it. Olivia, we have to have a serious talk. You're not going to like what I have to say. I don't want to talk to you right now, but I guess I don't have a choice, as usual. I understand you're upset, but there's something you need to know. Then Oliver came in. He couldn't look me in the eye. He knew that he had hurt me. You've got a lot of nerve showing up in front of me, Ollie. Don't be angry with him, dear. He had to do it. Did you pay him money to leave me too? It's not like that, Olivia. When I came out of that hotel, I saw your mother. And then Oliver told me that he saw my mother in the hotel with some man and overheard them talking. Turns out my mother had come here with her new husband. They were planning to steal the firm away from my father with my help. As mother had planned, father and I began to fight a lot, and Oliver was the reason for it. But my mother planned to support me in everything, and at the same time, break me and my father up. And when I took over the firm, she would put her husband in the CEO seat and live happily ever after. As soon as Ollie heard this, he immediately went to my father and told him about the situation. And all these days, they were meticulously gathering evidence. My father said he was sending my mother back abroad today, and he told her not to show her face to us. Now he's made Oliver his deputy until I want to run things myself. Or until I marry Oliver. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, 
Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... I am Iris, and I'm the most popular girl in school. I'm beautiful and talented, and I have a good figure. But I still don't have a boyfriend. And that's because I'm allergic to kissing. But I'm hiding it carefully. The doctors don't know what it is. Any kiss just makes my lips swell up like dumplings. I can't even go out with boys, even though I have a lot of admirers. And so, everyone thinks I'm an arrogant, stuck-up... Ugh, and how am I supposed to value my personal life like this? Only my friend Emma knows about my secret. By the way, she's pretty popular with guys too, and she's already dating another guy on the soccer team. They're constantly going on dates, kissing around every corner, and spending a lot of time together. I am so jealous of them! What did you think? I want to have a boyfriend and all that romantic stuff, too. It all started when I was a kid. When I turned 10, I had a crush on my classmate, Sean. He was so cool. He walked me home every day, and then one day, he decided to kiss me. Now imagine kissing a girl and her lips swell up in front of your eyes like they've been filled with air, like balloons. Out of fear, Sean ran away and never came near me again. Then it happened again at 12 with Erin, at 15 with Ben. I only know about French kissing from Emma's stories, and I realized I'd be single for the rest of my life. Who wants to date a girl you can't even kiss? My mom took me to so many doctors, but they just kept throwing up their hands. No one could understand my body's reaction. Because of this, I try to stay away from boys at school. I didn't want anyone to find out my secret and make fun of me. That Iris thinks she's a queen. No one is worthy of her. She'll end up alone like an old maid. That's what I heard behind my back, but it was better than humiliating jokes about my lips. Iris, you won't believe this. A new kid is transferring to our school. If you talk about it with such enthusiasm, it must be someone interesting. Oh yes, he's so cool. If you hadn't skipped school yesterday, you would have seen him for yourself. I didn't skip school. I was at the doctor's. You know that. Come on, I'm waiting for the details. You'll see for yourself. He's an Apollo on a cool bike. I met Emma outside school as usual. I immediately noticed that it was unusually noisy and lively. Look, it seems like the whole school is waiting for him to show up. And then I saw a steep motorcycle pull in, driven by a man, all dressed in black leather and wearing a shiny black helmet. The roar of his engine drowned out everything around him. He parked the bike in the parking lot and took off his helmet. Oh, God. He was the most handsome guy I'd ever seen. Black hair and blue eyes. What an interesting combination. Everyone in the schoolyard went silent. The guys were looking at him with envy, and the girls were drooling over him. He started walking past me and Emma, and I pretended to be completely uninterested in him. 
I turned around to go inside, and what do you think happened? I tripped and started falling. All I could do was close my eyes. My whole life flashed before my eyes, but I didn't fall. I didn't fall to the ground. I landed right in the arms of the new guy. I just felt the stares on my skin. Oops, sorry. That's an interesting way to get acquainted, the guy said grudgingly. You think too much of yourself. Don't flatter yourself. Okay. And he just spread his arms and I flopped down on the ground. Hey, are you out of your mind? It would do you good to land a little. <laughs> with a laugh, the rude guy walked into the hall and I was left all red with anger. How dare he? Who acts like that to a girl? I'm gonna get him. It was the most embarrassing thing I'd experienced in a long time. Still panting with anger, I entered the classroom, and I saw him at the next desk. He was introduced to the class as Jack O'Malley. He'd recently moved to our small town. His mom got a job at the local hospital. And I, as class president, was assigned to help him get his books. In fact, as our teacher, Mr. Elvin, said, Help him adjust to the new place and make friends. What friends? You could tell right away he was a mean guy. All right, I'll show you around. You'll have to get your books from the library first. You must be a nerd, huh? If you're supposed to babysit me. I'm not a nerd. I'm the class president. And yes, I'm a good student, too. And you can't be too modest. Look, I know we didn't get to know each other, but I don't want to waste my time with you either. So let me just show you around and say goodbye. Oh, and the headmistress is offended. Well, you can go about your business. I'll take care of myself. That's good. So I turned around and went to the schoolyard, where Emma and I agreed to meet. Ugh, this new guy was so annoying. Emma was already waiting for me. When she saw my face and my gait, she knew right away that I wasn't happy about something. I told her that the boar was going to be in my class and that I was going to have to babysit him for a while. The whole day I was so angry that everything just fell out of my hands. Class was over, and Emma and I went out into the yard again. Suddenly, I heard the loud roar of an engine. The jerk's bike was coming right at me. I shrieked and the bike stopped just a few inches away from me. I was so freaked out, and that ignorant Jack was just laughing. I felt horribly hurt and looked at him angrily, and I didn't notice the tears running down my cheeks. Jack's face changed right away. He got off his bike and came over to me. Were you scared? I'm sorry. Fuck you, you jerk! Iris, that's not polite. He said he was sorry. I don't care. And I ran away. It was the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to me. Jack caught up with me on the way home. He called out to me, but I pretended not to hear him. He then blocked my way and apologized. He said he was just trying to be funny, and he didn't think I'd be that scared. He looked very guilty. Of course, I felt sorry for him, and we called a truce. After that, we started spending a lot of time together. Jack wasn't doing so well in school. I offered to help him and start pulling him up on subjects. Because Jack and I talked a lot and became friends, Emma asked me to introduce her to him. 
I knew she had her eye on him. I really didn't want them to be together, but I couldn't say no to her either. Jack, listen, you remember my friend Emma, right? Oh yeah, isn't she the one who was always with you until I showed up? Ha <laughs> ha. Ugh, you're so cocky. Yeah, that's the one. Anyway, why don't I introduce you? Why not? I'd be glad to get to know your friend. I was kind of hurt by his words, but I didn't show it. We agreed to meet at a coffee shop near the school. When Jack and I arrived, Emma was already sitting at a table waiting for us. My friend waved at us and indicated our seats. I sat across from her, and Emma pulled Jack to her and sat him down next to her. Throughout the evening, I sat and watched as she flirted with my friend, making eyes at him and getting all the attention she could. It must have been obvious that I didn't like it. Jack felt very uncomfortable, but he couldn't leave. It wouldn't have been pretty. Eventually, my patience ran out and I just got up from the table. Emma, you're too pushy. I feel like you're pushing Jack around. Oh, come on, Iris. We're getting along very well, aren't we, Jack? Jack sat silent and stared into his glass. I freaked out and left, and he ran after me. Naturally, Emma also jumped out after us. Jack caught up with me on the street. What's wrong? It's okay. She's your friend. Do you mean you like the way she's luring you in? I didn't say that. I didn't send her away because she's your friend and I didn't want to hurt her feelings. I thought you seemed to enjoy her company. Wait a minute. Are you jealous? Jack asked with a smile on his face. Before I could answer, Emma came running over. Guys, what's wrong? Iris, if you wanted to go home, you could have left normally and not spoiled the mood for all of us. I opened my mouth in surprise. I wanted to answer, but I just couldn't find the right words. Then Jack intervened. He took Emma aside and told her something. I could see her face change. Was it shock? Surprise? Anger? She threw something angrily over her shoulder and walked away. I stood there, unable to comprehend what had just happened. Jack came up to me in a dazed sort of way. He took my hand and led me to his bike. I asked him what Emma had told him, but he said nothing. He also didn't say anything when he put my helmet on, didn't say anything when we got on the handlebars, and didn't say anything the whole way to my house. Already at home, I decided I had to find out everything. I had no intention of backing down. Jack, answer me. I don't want to talk about it. I don't care. What did Emma say and what's going on anyway? Jack took my hand. Iris, is there anything you want to tell me? What are you talking about? When I took Emma outside the cafe, I told her that I liked you and that I wasn't considering her to be my girlfriend. She said I'd still change my mind when you revealed your secret. I went pale. I got dizzy. How? How could that be? Emma was an old friend of mine. She wouldn't tell my secret. I covered my face with my hands and cried. From resentment, betrayal, and fear that I might lose Jack forever. Well, there was no way out. I had to tell Jack. I couldn't keep it to myself forever. After I told him, it surprised me when Jack pulled me to him, hugged me, and said the most cherished words. Iris, I like you, and it doesn't bother me that you're allergic to kissing. 
It's nice and easy for me to just hold you and always be near you. You will let me do that, won't you? I like you too, but I was afraid to tell you my secret. I thought it would repel you and you'd stop looking at me as a girl. By the way, Emma and I haven't spoken since then. She called and apologized, though. She said Jack had hurt her and she was just jealous of me. That's the only reason she let my secret out. I forgave her, of course, but I limited our communication as much as possible. And Jack and I are fine. And by the way, he and I did kiss. Jack found me a good doctor who prescribed me strong anti-allergy medication. And now I can live a normal life, like the other girls. Share this podcast to all social media, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook and so on and you'll be given a shout out. Also drop your social media username so that we can find you. Thanks for your support. Make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel by clicking the link in this episode description. You should also please follow or subscribe to our other podcast My Animated Story by clicking on this episode description. And also, kindly please rate and review this podcast by... Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.